I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I hope you're all having a delightful summer because it is coming down to a merciful end, I suppose. If you're a Raptor fan, if you're an NBA fan, you just want the basketball to start. Haven't done a podcast in a little while because, frankly, there's nothing to talk about. We're just talking about the same things over and over. And so we just thought we'd give it a little bit of time, a little hiatus. But we're back. We're back and we'll keep on going. Joining me today, Katie Heindel, Dime Magazine, Dishes and Dimes. Basketball feelings. You can read her work. She's terrific. She's awesome. And she's here. Hi, Katie. Hi, Amit. How are you doing? Doing well, doing swell. Um, today with Katie, we are going to talk about things that we are excited for with the Toronto Raptors. Excited to see, excited for, all that fun stuff. Because this team is going through um, a transition in a sense where last year they were the up-and-coming team and so forth. But then January onward, we really saw that they actually are pretty damn good. And they actually have like a place in potentially that upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. But can they be there? Are they in that upper, upper tier, Milwaukee, Boston, so forth, or in that second tier? You know, the one just below. And we're going to find out. There's a lot of factors that are surrounding that. But we may as well talk about the things that we are excited for. Because right now, everyone has championship hopes. Everybody has got a chance. But until, you know, December comes around, everything kind of changes. But first, first topic, Katie. The Raptors seem to have a bench. Mm-hmm. They might actually have a bench. Wow. Last season, their bench played uh, the least amount of minutes in the NBA at 14.4 minutes per game. And they also produced the least amount of points. But maybe this season is just a little bit different. Maybe. Your Didn't we call it the, it was like a metaphysical bench or something. It was more of like a theory <laughs> of a bench last season. Yes. Yeah, it was quite loose and it was never there was a feeling that it would eventually crystallize or make a little bit of sense. Uh, and it didn't. And mm. now it has by some ruthless moves, probably to some, mm. um, I, I, I'm, I was sad to see, I expected it, but I was still sad to see Utah cut loose. Sfee recently cut loose. Um, yeah. probably a lot more people going into training camp, but yes, I think for those, uh, fundamental bench pieces, you know, we're talking about, Picking up Otto Porter Jr. Ooh, big he's one. gonna look. Yeah, he's gonna look great on the bench. I actually don't know. <laughs> that I was gonna amazing s- when you said that. What? He's gonna look great on the bench. He's gonna look great on the bench. Uh, yeah, he's he gonna will. play great coming off the yes, bench. How yes. about that? He's also gonna yes. look great. I've seen him. I saw him at summer league and his roots head to toe sitting on the bench. He looked great in Vegas. Casual. Yes. 40 degrees or whatever it is. And the man is wearing a roots. 109 degrees outside. And he came through Uh, repping roots. Um, No, the the, the Raptors are going to have a a bench, which is going to be great. If we want to cast way ahead, why not to uh, the playoffs? That's great because Uh everybody just gets so tired when you don't have a bench. Uh, You don't have the manpower. And that usually equals staying power. And you did see it kind of come and 
hurt the Raptors, I'd say, in the regular season, just sure. with injuries and COVID yeah. and things that we obviously hope to not see so much of this season. But I'm excited for the bench. I still, I will be honest, it's still a big question mark in terms of how mm. Nick Nurse intends to structure it. I think it's a bit of a question mark to him too, based on some of the things he said in sure. recent weeks, even though he's a bit been a bit tight-lipped about it. Uh, but it will be different. <laughs> to watch it'll be different it'll mm -hmm. be different yes i mean you could look at it like this if you are one to believe that their starting lineup is going to stay the exact same and i think it will i don't think gary trent jr is going to be moving to the bench although i think there are some people who are clamoring for that saying that no start versus the chua i'm not sure if that's really going to work out for a variety of reasons but in the end um you could say their top nine starters precious uh thad young chris boucher Otto Porter jr that's a very good top nine um you think about Otto Porter jr you can really slot him anywhere he's going to be you know one of probably one of your best catch and shoot players he mm -hmm. can play the two three four he played the five for the Golden state warriors in the finals so he's clearly capable of playing many different positions and they didn't really have a like a backup for og and Obi last season and uh, that really hurt them because anytime that OG or Gary missed time, the Raptors really struggled. And mm -hmm. they were already a really bad three-point shooting team. And then it just went off the cliff. It was awful. But you can slot him in. And how healthy he's going to be, I guess it will be a question. Like, he did a lot of rest days with the Golden State Warriors last year. I think he played around 60 games or so. But he was very productive in those 20-ish minutes that he played. Then he got Thad Daddy. He's going to do what he does, right? He is just... Is He's that what exactly, we're calling him? I'm calling him Thad Daddy. Why don't we right? call him Thaddy? Uncle Thad, right? Something Just like Thaddy. That. Thaddy works sure, too. Thaddy, Thaddy works too. We know what he offers. And uh, yes. I think he's going to keep on doing that. And Chris Boucher... If he's able to be consistent on both ends, he has that presence, that allure of just being this like rangy, slim, ducky kind of dude on both ends. Offensive rebounding, maybe his three-point shot gets a little bit more consistent, similar to that Tampa season, although people say that's fake. I think he is a decent three-point shooter. Um, he had decided a little trial and errors last season, but he did make shots uh, towards the end of the year, and he mm -hmm. had that uh, awesome game uh, against the 76ers. He had a couple of good games, actually, against the 76ers in that playoff series. So all those players, I think they're going to be in really good shape. Um, and that's good. If you can walk into the playoffs saying, we got a really good top nine, considering what the Raptors did in their championship year, where it was a top seven, then it became a top six, and then it was like just a top five. <laughs> and then similar to that Celtics series, right? It was five guys, and that's pretty much it. You feel like they got nine players that they really feel good about. Mm -hmm. However... Off that bench, no backup point guard. We're not talking about a top nine, right? In that top nine, there's no backup point guard. And so that's where we get to the Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn conversation. Obviously, Nick Nurse has shown that he really likes playing Pascal and Scotty Barnes at, at the point guard position. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that there's something there, right? And, uh, you know, pick and rolls, and we'll get to some of their matchups in a second. But overall, they do show like some real like offensive prowess, some real skill development in that area. And their playmaking is obviously very good. And when you got like a six nine point guard, you're in pretty good shape. However, as we talk about limiting minutes, making sure that your starters are, you know, conserving their energy and they're going to be good to go for the playoffs, it would be really helpful if they had a backup point guard. Right. And Fred Van Vliet, we'll get to that in a second, too. But between those three, Pascal, Fred and uh, and Scotty, they need someone who's going to be able to play probably 10, 15 minutes, something like that. And you would think it's going to be Delano or Malachi. But will mm -hmm. it happen? Can Malachi drop 60 points like he's been doing across the whole summer? Right. These are he's the questions. Very good. He's looked 
incredible. He looks in, like, stronger some of his pro-am too, games. Yeah, he does look a lot stronger. Um, some of that, I think, is just attestation to when players kind of get to break a little bit outside of the box of the team, like their Raptors, yeah. like rigid rigidity, it is helpful. And mm. I think that's why you also see a lot of like, quote, revenge season when players who get cut, like go off. Like I could see that happening to us, to his feet or Utah this season. Ooh. Hopefully they land somewhere. Um, but with Malachi, it's tough because we're always kind of waiting, right? And and, sure. and he's a he's a, he is a bit of a quieter player, quieter person by nature, which I don't you know to no fault of his own. That's just his style. Yeah. Uh, but I think what you touched on in terms of the makeup of whether that's like Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam playing point, what the team has done. Yes, it would be phenomenal to have like a sure thing back at point guard, but I yeah. don't actually see them shoehorning one in just for the sake of need right because you don't really need it if you're gonna mm-hmm. put scotty in there who actually like you know i like scotty at point like i think he does a great job there he makes it like that you've got your like gigantic lineup basically with yeah. him anchoring it pascal too i think um i'd have to see more of that but I, in terms of just you know how mm-hmm. he kind of his distribution and he's pretty good decision maker i'd say in that spot but um there isn't this like pressing need, like we got to figure it out. And I think that's by design sure. because, you know, this isn't a team that hands things to anybody. So I think just because Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn are there and are point guards and mm-hmm. will come off the bench, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come off the bench as a backup point guard. Yeah. Like sure thing. Yeah. And this was the vision in the first place, right? Is to have multiple players who are tall, who can mm-hmm. dribble, who can shoot, who can pass and who can work in, the, work in the pick and roll. And so that vision is being realized with, you know, Pascal and Scotty uh, developing their skills as point guards and dribblers mm-hmm. and so forth. So no, there is not a pressing need, but for a Malachi Flynn, who I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nick Nurse said, yes, this is a very big season for him. Mm-hmm. No kidding. This is a very big season for him because uh, for him to get minutes with the Toronto Raptors, and you can say that maybe it's not fair. Maybe he's had a bit of a rough go with the Raptors. Maybe it's been um, a bit unfair how he's been treated, uh, the development, uh, the COVID season, Tampa, all that. Like, it's not been a typical ascension, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. his development. And um, with that, for him to get minutes with the Raptors, he has to be a knockdown shooter and he has to be able to put pressure on the paint be able to get in the paint and to you know uh, kick it out for other shooters and to make things happen on the offensive end if he can do that then sure he could probably you know earn himself some minutes but uh it's just going to be tough sledding because the he's going to be trying to climb like three four players and that's not mm-hmm. even to mention delano banton who's you know in a pretty good summer league it seems like his jump shot has really developed and the mechanics are much better and if he's able to at least at the very least maybe he's not the point guard but if he's like earning himself secondary playmaking minutes you know because he is still six nine he can still run very fast he can guard multiple positions so he's already part of the identity that's already trying to be realized mm-hmm. so maybe he does have a leg up but I would say that there's an easier path for Delano to get minutes just because he can play, you know, small forward and shooting guard. But for Malachi, it probably is just backup point guard minutes. And that's pretty much it, which is a tough one for him. Yeah, it is tough. I also question, um, like I know Nick Nurse made some, I think it was at the the charity golf event a few weeks ago, just mm-hmm. this implication that Malachi Flynn isn't ready because he's not, he hasn't necessarily seen him work as hard as he, I guess, Nick Nurse would like to have seen. And I always wonder what that is. Like, what is the point that they, like an athlete can get to, especially on the Raptors where they like tick that box, you know? Yeah. 
it's because because it's one it's changing like it's always changing mm-hmm. seems very elusive also seems a little bit vague so yeah. that's where i would stick up for malachi flynn because i'd say that he's had all these moving targets and he's hit a lot of them but a lot of them just keep shifting away from him and like you sure i i don't know at some point that like nick nurse is gonna need to just take a chance on him and slot him in some decent rotations instead yeah. of just saying like here you know there's yeah. like 10 minutes or less left of the game we got it. We're out of options. You guess you should go out there. Like it, it, you don't want him to feel like an afterthought, especially as you say in this season, which is pretty crucial for him. I wonder what would have happened if he didn't get injured after the all-star break. And he had like a good solid, yeah. like 10 games or so where he was able to play uh starter minutes while Fred was out. If he was able to do something with that, maybe it would have created some momentum for him. Maybe he was able to figure things out because another part of it too, is that he's going to be playing with starters right? Typically, because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the Raptors are going to keep on, you know, giving their starters heavy minutes, regardless of how good their bench is. Um, they, McNurse really does like to play his starters heavy minutes. Those are my best players. So why wouldn't I play my starters a lot of minutes? They should play 35 or so. Mm-hmm. So if he's not able and it's to- And conditioning like, you know, and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 And so if he's not able to get minutes with those players, even in practice, he's like the backup point guard. He's playing with Otto and Chris and Precious and so forth. It could be sometimes a little bit hard to find that chemistry with uh, a Pascal or a Scotty or mm-hmm. so forth. But then I almost wonder if like Fred Van Bleet, his path to getting, you know, stable NBA minutes, then becoming a you know performer in the finals and then becoming a starting point guard under, you know, the guidance of Kyle Lowry over over time has like actually hurt Malachi in some ways because mm-hmm. it's like, well, Fred did it. So why can't you? <laughs> and Fred's not normal. His story is not uh, is not how things typically go typically go that's why he went undrafted to where he is now because most players who are undrafted don't get to this point mm-hmm. so it's a yeah. it's a weird one man every it's time i talk about have... i'm just like i don't know what to tell i know you. <laughs> me too it's important to have standards right and then obviously yeah. like archetypes for you know guys on the come up to look up to but you're exactly right it can't be even in their playing styles it can't be fred no you know and yeah. it's a dangerous uh, exercise to go down that rabbit hole of what ifs yeah. what if so-and-so didn't get hurt the what ifs part of life isn't it avoiding the what ifs we're getting deep it's true <laughs> and now we're getting philosophical avoiding or or sometimes addressing let's let's not go down this road no let's steer clear <laughs> let's steer clear that is that is winter time around the fire conversation right we'll okay yeah eventually <laughs> and the winter is, winter is coming Right, we know this. Stop. Sorry, 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 sorry. Though many people really do like winter. It's like their favorite season. My wife, she loves winter. Does she like the beginning of it or the whole thing? Because the beginning it's, is fine. The Let's beginning talk is fine. February and March. February. Yes, that's probably the worst part. She gets into her Christmas mode and Christmas with yes. her at least. It doesn't stop on December 25th. It continues. We go into January with our Christmas. So February, That's sure, good. there's probably, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of a, a downward spiral, I suppose, as the, the weather does get worse and it gets colder mm-hmm. because nowadays we're getting way off basketball, but the weather nowadays. <laughs> People actually love gets this like, when we talk about yeah, the weather. <laughs> it gets the worst around February and March now. And that it used to be when I was a, a wee one. That's when it got better. Now mm-hmm. it's actually the worst then. Mm-hmm. It's strange. It's not weird to see no snow on the ground during Christmas. It's actually, it's kind of normal, mm-hmm. at least around, you know, Toronto. But anyway. Okay. So Fred Van Vliet, 
Um, <laughs> we talked about him a little bit in terms of, you know, stable backup uh, point guard minutes, stable bench minutes. But now mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him nail his less ball dominant role. And we saw what it did to him. I posted a video on our YouTube yesterday. And even still, the comments were like, yeah, you talk about, you know, him being a good shooter. He shot so badly. He shot 30% from three. I'm like, have we forgotten what happened? Are we still here where we forget that he was injured for like the last four months of the season? Have we forgotten mm-hmm. that he was an all-star? Have we forgotten that he was like a 42, 43% catch and shoot player? Everyone forgot. Why? Why, Katie? It's We're in this year still. Why has everyone forgotten how good he was as a shooter? I don't understand. It's like uh, people are saying, oh, he should be a six man. Like, why? No, you need him. Yeah. You need his shooting ability <laughs> in the starting lineup. I don't get it. Why do people hate Fred? I I think there there's like a, a few reasons, but I think part of it is the newness of a player like Scotty Barnes and Precious to a, to a degree and kind of seeing the new direction that the team has already mm. moved into, I think well beyond where they expected to be at the end of last season. And yeah. there is still a mentality. I'm not trying to pigeonhole anyone, but I do think this is a bit like of a newer fan thing. Um mm a certain level of impatience and perhaps that's just an impatience to like, let's move on to the next iteration of the team. Fred is kind of this last holdover. He doesn't maybe physically fit as much as like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam who are also holdovers of that title team. Um, Boucher too. But, you know, I think that is his strength is he is still this anomaly style bridge between Mm -hmm. the two. You need a player like Fred. Like I don't even think about I mean, I think about Fred shooting when it's you're in like the heat of the fourth and he misses some crucial shots. But, you know, at the end of the day, then he hits it. But then he, then hits he hit. It. That's what I mean. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's still really yeah. nobody yeah. else who I want taking those shots because he is completely unflappable. You know, he's like an anchor, yeah. an anchor player for the team. He's a leader. He's just he just has all those qualities you want mm. in somebody running the floor. In a really yeah. quiet way, he doesn't get as like bogged down. I think that in in, in maybe the disappointments, sure, as a player like Kyle Lowry occasionally did. So I think that he's just not very flashy, and also in today's NBA, people don't really understand how to qualify that. Mm-hmm. You know, like people, if you're just like a consistently good, stable, and steady player, sure. not necessarily explosive. It doesn't always translate well in terms of visually how good mm. you seem because you're not having these explosive highlights, maybe game after game. But I that's at least this is my theorizing on why people seem to not believe in yeah. him or we continually have these conversations about his shooting prowess when you got to look at all the other stuff that he brings to the team, at least from my perspective, because he's, he's the glue basically at this point, a lot of this stuff, like, I don't think the six, nine experiment, like vision six, nine would not work if not for Fred, like holding it together. He's kind of like the concentric core of the team. Otherwise you've just got a bunch of really long rangy guys flying around out there. That's going to go off the rails pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that we're having the same conversation that, Raptor fans had with other fans about Kyle Lowry, but we're having the same mm-hmm. conversation with Raptor fans about their own Raptor player, mm-hmm. who's Fred Van Bleed, of how important he is. He is a glue. That's the same word I was going to use. He is the glue. And I don't think, I think people just forgot. Honestly, they forgot. They forgot how valuable he is because we haven't seen um, him at his peak 
plus Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam at their peak as like mm-hmm. point guards, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, when he was starting to get hurt, that was like, you know, late January, early February, Pascal wasn't even the Pascal that he became in March and April. So we haven't seen the fusion yet. And that's what excites me is seeing something like that, because I don't think they've really tapped into off ball Fred, uh, the threat of Fred Van Bleet as a shooter. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the Steph Curry thing. I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but what, the Warriors do so well is that they use his gravity as a shooter, his like the fear that he gives into the opponent to create offense for, for teammates. And mm-hmm. like Fred is a willing back screener. He will go screen. He can curl around the baseline for shots. And they don't really have a lot of players who can do that. It's Fred Van Vliet. And then it's like Gary Trent Jr. If they decide to use him that way, that's it. And so if you're able to use the, those abilities of his, mm-hmm. now you, ha- now you tap into like his decision-making and he is a great decision maker. You just don't want him to be like, you know, going one-on-one towards the rim. That's not a good idea. You have other players who can do that. But if you use his gravity again, as I said, as a shooter, now he's making decision-making. Now he's making really smart plays um, in the half court offense and he's finding his teammates and the floor is going to be so open for a Scotty and for a Pascal. And you don't get that kind of open space unless you have Fred on the court. And now you're also able to tap into his defense. He is still one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, We talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, people were saying last season, like, you know, why isn't OG Ananobi when he was like, you know, healthy for a little while? Why isn't he in the all NBA defense uh, conversation? And really was like, why isn't Fred in that conversation? Because of the deflections, the turnovers he creates, just Mm -hmm. how disruptive he is on the defensive end. You tap into that more. Now you're getting like probably the best version of Fred. And that is someone who is impacting the game on both ends and you're putting less wear and tear on his body, even though he showed he could do it in December, right? When he was getting those like 30 points, 30 points, 40 points, uh, five threes, 10 threes in a quarter, like that stuff like that, that was happening, right? We Again, we've forgotten. Why have we forgotten? I is memory not a thing? Well, there's recency bias. And again, I think it just comes down to a certain level of excitement for like the next thing, right? And the next iteration of this team. But I am with you in terms of defensive focused pest Fred, that version of Fred. Would love to see that version of Fred on the floor. And he's also just like what you said about you. Yeah, you don't want him going to the rim, maybe like going downhill one on one. But also like Fred knows when to cut and run and like not put himself in in that situation where a lot of other players don't they're like well you know what i'm gonna try anyway sure like shoot or shoot but sometimes you don't need to and there's a better shot somewhere else or like there's a better you know there's like a better tangle to get yourself into and fred's very good at backing off when he needs to because that's the right move to make and it's about you know winning, right? That's what he's yes. already said this this past yeah. uh, off season. He said, "Well, we're in this off season." He said that like I will do whatever it takes to win. I will take a lesser role. I will do more of this, more of that, whatever. In those cases where he was driving down the lane and he was getting blocked the bleep out of, it was because he had to. There was five seconds left on the shot clock. They ran a play, it didn't work. Didn't really have a lot of options around him, and he was just like, "Well, I gotta go." I gotta- Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. to do this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. And then it didn't work. <laughs> I would, it's just, I would just, it's yeah. a rare quality, right? To, to, to recognize or for an athlete at that level, like an elite yeah. athlete, like Fred Van Fleet to mm-hmm. say, you know what, I'll do whatever you need me to. And if yeah. that's like taking a, taking a backseat sometimes, or, you know, taking a role that maybe I don't always come out like mm-hmm. as the one shining, you look around the league, look around just like the off season, sure. which has thankfully finally quieted down, like just all the moves and news of it. And then think of like how rare a player like Fred is for that too. Sure. There's a reason why people were using Jalen Brunson's uh, or Fred Van Bleed's extension as a Jalen Brunson comparison. And I think he, uh, Brunson got what, like 114 over four years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Fred's probably going to be a little bit north of that. Why? Because he has shown an ability to accept his role, do whatever it takes. And that kind of stuff does get you paid in the NBA. There mm-hmm. aren't that many players who are point guards, defensive anchors, unbelievable three-point shooters in the NBA. There just isn't that many. And if mm-hmm. he realizes that, it's like, this is how I'm going to get paid. This is how I'm going to help my team. He's going to do just fine. If the Raptors or if the fan base is like trade Fred and for some reason it happens, there will be many teams who are lining up to to acquire him because he's that valuable. Yes, and they'll immediately cook the Raptors. Oh, yes. Probably. Hey, you mentioned Svi and Utah. Like Utah, I mean, we'll see how it goes with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. on non guaranteed. We'll oh see my how God, his tweet! Did you see it? It killed yeah, me. Where he was like, yeah. "Everybody, thank you," but it's just a, it's just a camp spot. Poor guy. Um, he's got to make it. He's hey, make I mean, it. we'll see. Like uh, Svi wanted a new a new opportunity. Didn't really work out with the Raptors, and you kind of see that things just weren't probably going to be going his way, and so we wanted to try mm-hmm. something out. Um, see if he can find a new opportunity. I don't blame him, right? This is his NBA career. If he sits on the bench with for the Raptors for another season, who knows what happens, you know, if we're at this point next season. Maybe he's not even, like, there are teams who are interested in him, mm-hmm. you know? You got to think mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you can't stay idle. No, yeah. you can't. You got to keep moving. Um, I don't blame him. And speaking of moving and continuing to move towards bigger and better <laughs> things, Scotty Barnes can shoot, I think, Katie Heindel, I think he's actually got a jumper and it looks so pretty in all these mm. Rico Hines runs. Yes, Rico Hines runs. What does it matter? It's not real five on five, yada, yada, yada. The mechanics that you see in a player when they're pulling up from three, when there's catch and shoot, when they're coming off screens and pulling up from the mid range, those mechanics are real. Mm-hmm. Those exist. Those are things mm-hmm. that they're going to translate to the NBA. We're going to see him do the exact same thing in a month or so. If it looks just like this in a month from now, that's real. That mm-hmm. is very real to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, I think he looks good. I think, yes, of course it is. Yeah. Um, the Rico Hines runs and experience are a bubble. Like they're separated out of the, the, the real world and like regular kind of on court action. But I look at things with Scotty, like how his form has kind of subtly mm. shifted the way yeah. he's taking and making a line, like the way he's lining up his shots is a little bit different too. Oh, yeah. uh, and those are the things that, Honestly, like in talking to players, those are the tiny little developmental things like the angles, studying the angles, like being going against your own, going against like your own inclination of what feels natural and regular to be like, oh, actually, I should I should lean back or I should shift my elbow by like two inches. Uh, And when those things start to click, 
Scotty's already a pretty like willing and adept shooter, I think, but like those things will just add the accuracy. So yeah, I'm with you. And he's so strong. He looks so strong, which is crazy because he looked so strong before, but he looks even stronger now. Yeah. And he's shooting better. Usually yeah. that's, those don't really remember Serge Ibaka when he was like improving his, uh, his hook yes. shot. And it felt like every single time he, the man was just too, str- too strong for any yeah. hook shot he does. But yeah. Scotty's uh, he, he's had the touch from the get go from yeah. his like wee early years of being an NBA player or a basketball player. He's always had that touch. If you listen to mm-hmm. some of the people that have been following his career for, for a long time now, um, that's become fairly natural for him. And now if you combine uh, already his abilities into hopefully being just a league average three point shooter, right? And we saw it in that uh, 76er series last year where Joel Embiid was really sagging off of him and he's clogging mm-hmm. the paint. And if Scotty's going to be your center, which he probably will be in most cases um, in the first quarter, third quarter, down the stretch of games, or what maybe is pressure the two, I guess it's going to be, you know, depending on the games and situations. But if he is a threat, if he is a threat from the three-point line and teams have to worry about him, it's going to create so much space for the Raptors. He is mm-hmm. so good already mm-hmm. at just not getting in the way despite not being a shooting threat. He was so good at finding those spaces along the baseline, inside the paint, around the 45, around the top of the key, whatever. He just found it. And Mm -hmm. that's just him being intuitive and understanding the offense. And it got better and better as the season went on. But now it gets so much easier if he actually has a jump shot. (laughs) Well, it gets easier easier and better for just shot creation, which is something that the Raptors like usually are lacking a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, Yeah, but I, I think... Scotty, Scotty with like a good jumper, man. Ooh, we, <laughs> you think about his potential and what gets me about him is that he's already got that like Pascal Siakam during the off season. I'm going to work my tail off to get mm. better at this, this, and this, and this, and this. But when they both started their NBA journeys, Pascal was like, you know, 26, 28 pick just emerging in the NBA. He went G league, yada, yada, yada. And Scotty's first season, he was rookie of the year in the NBA. So he's starting from here as I raise my hand above my mic and (laughs) Pascal was starting from just below my mic, but they both have the same work ethic. So imagine what he's going to be in like five, six years after just one off season, we're seeing how much progress he can make in just one yeah, off. I, I think we're about to find out. Yeah. Imagine that like five years from now. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, you Very know, exciting. I'm not one for like undue pressure and like trying to, especially with like rookies and young guys, but it's true. Like he yeah. he is starting at a certain advantage that just like you're even at this level of like, you know, mm. your average NBA player, which is an elite athlete, uh, still is not usually starting with that kind of like yeah. bump. Uh that scotty barnes has i can't believe you're saying that because you are very reserved when it comes to predicting and you know and saying the players might just i just, I just like uh, give everybody like a fair shake you never know sometimes it's situational sometimes it's life sometimes yeah. it's other stuff but yeah i mean and i'm still feel quite protected about scotty barnes but i think everything that we've seen is like he's for the pressure he uh, can handle it really well and he he rises to it mm. you know yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Okay. Speaking of being protective <laughs> of prospects, uh, what are your feelings on Christian Coloco? 
All right. So thank uh, God they signed him. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God Kevin Durant accepted that he's going to have to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it turns out that when you make a team and then it doesn't work out, and then you just want to leave when you got four years left on your contract, you know, maybe the team's just like, how about we just don't trade you? Yeah. You want, you want to, you want to go? No. Right. Because there's nothing that's going to be coming back our way that's actually going to be equal to you, Kevin Durant. That's a messy situation, man. Holy. I got to know what they said when they all met in that last, you know, whether they just kind of reminded him, uh, you got this many years left and like you're yeah. leaving maybe this much money on the table or mm-hmm. like I, I just or whether it went the other way and it was like, we'll do our best to try and get you what you need to make that happen. this Like to make this happen yeah. this season. But I also just feel like uh, Josiah, Sean Marks, not so much Steve Nash, we're just at a point where like they didn't even want to bargain anymore. I think they were sick of like even yeah. the, all the theoretical deals I'm sure that they were hearing out, right? Like in that, what, two month, almost sure. like two month or more stretch. I feel like they just met Kevin Durant and were like, look, this is this this is how it is. I mean, I, I give him credit, right? Like you can't just walk out and leave when, you know, you've already made the fire inside no. the house, right? No, <laughs> like you, you it. started it. You set, exactly. the, you set up all the furniture in a way that it would start burning. <laughs> you maybe ate it with a little bit of like, you know, gasoline, yeah. nail polish remover, whatever. And you lit the match and then you took it, you stepped out. And then you're like, how did this happen? So weird. I don't want to be here anymore. This isn't fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve Nash and Kevin Durant, that's a, that's going to be a wild one, eh? Huh. Poor I Steve. I, Steve. I don't think poor Steve. Steve Nash strikes me as a person who's very, like, meditative about things and is, like, yeah. maybe to his detriment, will kind of let this be like, yeah, I've got to let it go, you know? Whereas I don't know that Kevin Durant necessarily responds to coaches like that. Yeah, it's a respect thing. I'm not saying he, I'm not claiming that Kevin Durant doesn't respect Steve Nash. Far from that, but sometimes certain, yeah. yeah, but yeah, but certain coaches, certain players need certain kinds of coaching, right? And maybe it's just not the best match, you know. When Kyrie was talking about, you know, we, go- I'm going to be a coach sometimes, and Kevin's going to be a coach sometimes, and so forth. Like that was a red flag to me. I'm like, you have one coach, yes. and then there are assistant coaches, and that's how this process typically goes. Right from there, I was just like, this is not a good sign. This is, and I want to give like I, I, I love Kyrie, yeah, and red I love Kyrie Irving. Like flag. I am. Yeah. I'm so excited to see them just play basketball again. Kyrie Irving, yeah. Kevin Durant. Um, I'm very much done with like the whole storylines of everything off the court. I want to see them play basketball because they're incredible at it. We'll However, see. Will yeah, it happen? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, at the very least, like they're going to get their 30 or so, and that's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the whole Ben Simmons thing, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes too. Yeah, the Nets are still, it's safe to yeah. say they're a pretty big question mark. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes, yes. Where were we talking? What were we talking about? We were talking about, yes, I was pivoting to Christian Colo. Christian Colo. That's what yeah, Christian Colo. really went. Yes. Sorry, buddy. We went off. Sorry, Christian. <laughs> we we're went back. off the rails. Yeah. We're back, though. We're back talking about uh, you, young man, who had, uh, who had a pretty decent, I would say, a decent summer league in the sense that he showed that everything he did in college was real. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, you had, uh, shot blocking was awesome. He showed he could guard in the perimeter a little bit. Jump shot. Uh, offense was a little bit hit and miss, but he showed why, in fact, he was like the Raptors were so keen on bringing him in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a second round pick for a reason. If he was the player that, you know, was able to be, you know, uh, offensive hub, 
who had more of an offensive game, he probably would have been like the top 15 or something like that. So he is a bit of a project, but from everything that we've seen during summer league off season, all the Rico Hines runs, he seems very committed to just like getting better. Mm-hmm. Right. He really fits the Raptors ethos in that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought he looked really good at summer league. Um, mm. I thought the coaching staff spoke very highly of him. Yeah. Um, it sounded like he was really fitting into that, at least that mm-hmm. <clears throat> summer league group, Yeah, you know, and the, uh, the chemistry that they like pretty quickly formed all together, which is a, a good sign to me, especially because that chemistry is always just a little bit of like a mirror of the Raptors chemistry sure. as a whole. It does surprise me that they, not given the circumstance, I understand of like the kind of lingering, looming Kevin Durant possibility, but mm. it does surprise me that they waited this long to sign him unless they gave him some kind of assurance and were like don't worry it's gonna happen that just seems like not yeah i think they must have maybe i hope so i hope so because that's a long time to wait you know Mm -hmm. um but i think he looks good i think he fits really well i think there's like flashes of like a Serge Baca like 2.0 kind of in in there Mm -hmm. not necessarily with like pure size but just where he kind of puts himself, you know, sure. I think his shooting it, in Vegas, it looked really good. Like he yeah. was, he was, he was, didn't always make them, but he was taking mm-hmm. some pretty, like he got some good looks. He was kind of doing a lot of shot creation, I think on that team. Um, yeah, man, I, now I'm trying to like jog my memory back to Vegas, but he, he looked really good. He's someone who I'm kind of like, I don't know how it will shake out with the bench, mm-hmm. you know, and where he'll sort of fit and whether he'll be actually more, with 905, uh, whether yeah. they're gonna, you know, whether they're gonna have him, I'd like to see him on the floor uh, with the Raptors. I, I think there's a real possibility that happens. I would I love a, to see I got him a feeling, yeah. Precious Achua, you know, yeah. um, definitely Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. you're right. I'm I'm paying attention to these Rico runs quite a bit because I got nothing <laughs> else to do, and I think it's interesting that he has consistently played with the Raptors starters. And anytime yeah. Fred Van Vliet is on the court, Christian Coloco is on the court, and they have formed a pretty a pretty interesting chemistry in their pick and roll game. Obviously, Fred's never really had never really had someone like Christian mm-hmm. who is just absolutely massive. How easily he can dunk the ball with his leaping ability, his length. It's crazy how easily he can uh, orchestrate some of these like lobs and stuff like that just with his sheer ability to be long and jump. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff, I think with Fred's uh, decision-making abilities, his pick and roll partnering, that kind of stuff, it just hasn't really been there in previous years with previous players. Prestachua comes to mind um, just simply because it hasn't really worked out that way. But there's no okay. way it can't work out with Christian Coloco. You know, and then you have Fred's shooting ability, his pull-up game, his passing. There, I think there might be something there. And I think the Raptors are seeing that too. I'm not sure what's going to be happening with uh, Ken Birch, but mm-hmm. there is an avenue, I think, for Christian Coloco to go into this role as a roller, offensive rebounder. It comes down to how, how well he can perform on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's at right now. And that is still in question. We saw it in Summer League. Saw it a, list, a little bit, I guess, at Rico Hines runs. Actually, I might be going to say that. We saw it in Summer League that he has the ability. Can he do it at the NBA level? That is the question that we're not really sure about. But mm-hmm. I would be curious, um, yeah, what things look like on opening night. If he has himself a really good camp and he develops and he learns, because he's already shown that he is willing to just accept a role as doing these couple of things on the offensive end and just doing really well, right? He's mm-hmm. shown he's willing to do that. And just being a role threat that alone is going to create so much attention 
because mm-hmm. he's so huge and he can mm-hmm. catch lobs and he can finish around the basket a little bit. And he can just like clean up, you know, possessions here and there with offensive rebounding, which is still going to be a huge part, I think, of the Raptors half court offense is crashing the glass. There's something there and he can still play his games in the 905. I'm not saying he's not going to, but maybe he's just going to be up and down just like Delano Banton was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the experience is like you can't really knock yeah. it right to no, be able like to be know. on a two way in that. And like, as, some, as you mentioned, like he is someone who does seem like he is willing to accept his role and a big part of like those two ideals and the willingness to like shuttle yourself, like from, sure. you know, saga downtown, like that's a lot, that's a lot of legwork. Right. But you're willing to do that to, to, get, to get more, <laughs> to get more minutes really and to maximize your time on the yeah. floor. Yeah. I'm working with Rico Hines, like the Raptors development staff. He's going to be doing that, whether he's with the 905 or yeah. with the Toronto Raptors. That's yeah. going to be happening. He's going to be attending practices. He's going to be getting his extra work in. I just think there is a there is a path to him being um, a contributor mm-hmm. at the NBA level. It mm-hmm. just depends on if he's able to be a defensive anchor. Yeah. Because we I already agree. know he's a mobile big. He can do that stuff. We'll see. We'll see. But it, uh, certainly very intriguing offseason for him. Wrapping up the podcast Last thing we are very, very excited for, it's a Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, two-man game going to the next level. Oh, boy. This has been very fun. Even like the early stages of this, during the latter part of last season, we saw Mm -hmm. those two with a desire to play together, to work off of each other. And once you have that between two players, no egos, they just want to see each other succeed, that kind of stuff, already a very good start. But you combine... Hopefully a better shooting ability from both of them. I mentioned the players sagging off of Scotty Barnes and doubling Pascal because Scotty didn't have that shooting ability necessarily as at the three-point line. What if he has that? And what if, you know, now you combine that with, you know, some of the high lows that they've been doing at some of the Rico Hines runs, um, just working off of each other, not ever really being too close, just like reading each other and finding that chemistry. Very interesting two-man game. It's been very successful. It helped them, you know, get through March and really find themselves in that top part of the Eastern Conference, or at least go from a play-in team to in that top six. Mm-hmm. So you see another level of those two working off of each other. Damn. Damn, <laughs> damn, damn. Well, I think another thing with that um, is that spacing is always a bit tricky for Pascal, just in that defenders tend to double up on him or they'll block, you know, like block his lanes that he, that they know he's going to try for. Um, And I think with Scotty, like if those two are kind of bouncing off each other because Mm -hmm. of their size, but also because of not necessarily knowing like who to pin down, that's going to open up a lot of possibilities for both of them. But I think especially Pascal will, won't feel that kind of same pressure mm-hmm. uh, around the basket that he he's like felt in past seasons when he's just trying to go it solo. So yeah. I'm interested for that. Also just cause they look so happy and like joyful <laughs> playing together. Yeah, yeah, they really do. And like, that's something I think really integral to Pascal Siakam's game. Scotty yeah. just seems like he's a bright light all of the time, you know? Oh yeah. And like kind of shines that on his teammates, which is yeah. wonderful. Uh, but yeah, that's just like, Another great thing. I think there's just like more things than not to look forward to with this season. Sure. Granted, we are in the most optimistic time uh, <laughs> of like a like the pre preseason. Yeah, this is the time to kind of make all these claims and to set your hopes really high. I think and not try and you know get too bogged down in the what ifs or shooting percentages yeah. that we talked about earlier. Like throw all that stuff out the window. <laughs> just let yourself be recklessly like hopeful about this team yeah. 
Yes. No? Yes. I think you should. Right? That's what we're doing. That's, yes. that's, what, that's what this is. That's Things what we're this excited is. for with this uh, Raptors team. <laughs> it, it's hard to not think that the shooting will be a little bit better last season. They were 20th in three-point shooting, mm-hmm. uh, 15th in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. Both of those numbers, just with some internal development, are going to get elevated. And if well, they like, want to be... Yeah. yeah. No, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, like, we've seen the movement in the, the movement improving in sure. these runs and like when that improves shooting does naturally follow yes yes, yes. it does <laughs> yes yes like i want to see more of pascal as a as a screener right because then if he's able to use his downhill speed his ability to finish around the basket and maybe there's some picking and popping happen that mm-hmm. would just be um another level for pascal if we're talking about him being able, able to be like a pick and popper and able to like hit shots off the dribble, those kinds of things are going to help him get easier offense. And it's going to create so much more space. Cause then again, you're, you're adding in his decision-making skills when he has the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And now you're able to add some like shooting gravity, just like with Fred Van Vliet, right? These are the things that they have to really tap into to get their half court offense to be a lot better outside of some like, you know, more additional off ball movements, things like that. But mm-hmm. I, I want to see more of like Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam like pick and rolls. I think that'd be really, really cool. And mm-hmm. uh, I, that, that comes to mind because, yes, I saw Enrico Hines run yesterday. And uh, Gary found Pascal at the three-point line. He hit a shot. Like that's kind of that kind of stuff really does matter. It's going to make offense so much easier for not for Pascal and with the mm-hmm. Raptors. Like overall, it's, mm-hmm. it's always does come down to shooting. Even when we were going into that 76ers series, I was talking to Yaron Weitzman and, and I said, it seems like this is going to come down to which team has a better three-point shooting performance? Because the 76ers were going to be good, but could they be 40% from three? Yeah. Which they were. Yeah. And then with the Raptors, could they be like league average from three in the series? Which they weren't at all. And guess what happened? The Raptors lost. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of come down to that. And uh, that's what this whole offseason feels like it's going to be around is just, you know, how or the storylines going into next season is how good are the Raptors going to be from the three-point line, um, their mid-range shooting and things like that. That's going to come, that's going to decide how good their half-court offense in and in turn is going to decide, I guess, the strides they can make as a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. It always comes down to shooting. But B, it does. I mean, it is basketball, but be hopeful. Be yeah. hopeful, everybody. Yeah. This is the time yeah. to be hopeful. Yeah. Um, they finished ninth Support in defensive your faves. Yeah. Yeah. What are you drinking there? Iced coffee. Iced coffee, nice. The ice is melted. <laughs> so it's just cold coffee. <laughs> it's it's humid outside. It's very humid. I'm going to, despite saying that, I'm going to go and get myself a hot coffee. Love it. Right now, actually. Yeah, right now, as uh, this podcast is coming to an end with Katie Hondo. Katie, what's coming up? Anything uh, fun outside of moving, which I hope uh, is going okay? It's uh, going. You know, it's going. Yeah. When you see your life reduced to stacks and stacks of bo- boxes, it does really make you internalize and think about some yeah. things. So, you know, there's been some spirals, but I'll get through it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll point you, I, I guess I'll point people in the direction I recently wrote. Um, well, I didn't recently write them, but they've been a, a long time in the works, but I wrote two large features for uh, ASU's Global Sports Institute, uh, their yes. online magazine, Global Sports Matters. Yeah. Uh, the first is a profile on Caleb Canales, who is now a coach with the Mexican national team, but it's about international coaches leaving the NBA and what the pathways are for yeah. them to come back to the league. Uh, and the second feature is about diversity and coaching within the NBA, which the NBA has mm. a great track record not having any formalized rules in terms of hiring sure. practices. Uh, but they are also losing women coaches at like kind of an Exodus style 
right. While they still now, I think it's like half the coaches in the league are black, which is wonderful, but there's this balancing act, right? So how do you address both? Anyway, they're very long uh, stories if you feel like giving them a read, but I had a lot of fun chatting with Wes Unsell Jr., Neil Ivey, who coached with the Grizzlies. Now she's the head coach at Notre Dame. Obviously, Caleb Canales, some folks at the NBA, as well as some folks at the uh, NBCA, the Coaches Association. So you could give Mm. those a read. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's great off-season reading. Yeah, I will say. I'm gonna check it out too. I'm gonna check it out myself. Thanks. All right, man. Katie. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> Katie Heindel. We'll talk to you very soon, and we'll talk to you all. Very soon, the off-season is almost over, and our content will continue and escalate as we go forward over the next month or so. So everyone, have yourself a good day, good night, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. We'll talk to you soon.